everybody. Welcome to the You Were Born for This podcast with Father John Ricardo. I'm your host, Father John. I'm the executive director of Acts 29, where we talk about anything and everything related to transforming the church. And in this episode, we're going to continue a conversation that we started last week with Father Patrick Schultz and Father Ryan Mann, two great uh, young priests from the Diocese of Cleveland. And uh, so we just want to toss that back to everybody as give you a glimpse into the life of a couple of really extraordinary priests and continue to ask you to pray for them and for myself and for all our brothers who are out there doing ministry. So as always, let's just pray before we resume that conversation. So Father, we thank you for these two men. We ask for your ongoing anointing upon them and upon all of their brothers who are serving in the vineyard, whether it's in Cleveland or in Detroit or all across this country. Pray that you'd give them grace, courage, perseverance, and uh, a deeper and deeper conformity to the sacred heart of your son, Jesus. And we ask all this through Christ our Lord. Amen. So one of the thoughts that came to mind as I was uh, listening to you guys, so we were talking about preaching a little bit. Um, when you're pre- So I think a lot of people are, so let's be, let's be honest, right? Most preaching is terrible. <laughs> You know, like I used to hate it, right? Brother and, priest, uh, I think you're all great. Yeah, no, everybody out there who yeah. might be a priest, <laughs> awesome, right? But all the other people who are now dead yeah. and uh, in, in heaven probably. Um, yeah, I mean, it's like the biggest complaint that people have, it right? Is. I mean, music and preaching, right? So mm-hmm. most music is whatever, and most preaching is, is looks like it came out of a, you know, homily.com or whatever. I don't think people understand, like, when, when you, go, you go to preach or I go to preach, like, you're trying to do something. The way I... The way I uh, understand it. For me, it's it's even more than the Eucharist. Personally, it's the most generative thing that I do. Yes. Like when I'm preaching, I'm not trying to like fill some time or you know like well it's, that's 14 minutes. Let's go. Although I never preach for 14 minutes, it's usually much longer than that. Um, yeah, we got that in common. Um, yeah. Where, what's the state where we have not have survived in? Yeah, Nevada, I think. Yeah. They would say like five minutes or longer than that. We're going to revoke your uh, faculties to preach. But I mean, to me, it's it's like I, I'm trying to like bring I'm – tr- I'm trying to give birth to something, right? Yeah. I'm trying to generate life. I mean, how do you guys – how do you prepare to preach? And like what's the greatest um, joy in preaching for you guys? Mm. The um, you just go to homily.com. Yeah, there, I didn't know. You got the homily, premium service? Hom- homily.com exists. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah. Um, the the image that first comes to mind right now is the. Uh, so I have. Uh, I, at my last parish, I had. It's called the nuptial cross. It's the image of of Christ on the cross with Mary right next to him, and she's holding up a chalice mm. right next to his heart, catching the flow that's coming out of his heart. And after uh, a little bit at my first assignment, I bought that cross and I wanted it near me when I was celebrating Mass because, uh, I mean, there, there's a real, there's just as in marriage, there's the suffering of, of infertility. There's also in the priesthood a suffering of spiritual infertility, that, mm. that the <laughs> priest um, spending hours with the Lord, just letting his heart be pierced and flooded and wooed and just impregnated by the Lord's, like, you know, some seed fell on fertile soil, right? I, you just try and let your heart be fertile soil by being open and honest. And and then uh, you try and bring that fertile soil to the bride. And, and um, for a long time, I think that the, there is a real struggle in feeling like I, I keep 
I, I totally agree with you. It's one of the most generative moments that I want to share. Like the, the, the word that gives life, my words don't give life, but the living word, which is the seed that comes down from heaven, right? Yeah. That bears abundant fruit. Wanting so badly for that to find fertile soil in the womb of the heart of the bride and um, seeing it not um, find fertile soil. I, I, I got that cross because I needed to be reminded by Mary, I guess, as a preacher, as a priest, as a, as a young, just as a man who wants to be generative, hmm. um, that if nowhere else, if it's going nowhere else, it's going into her heart. She, she never misses a drop, right? Hmm. And um, the, uh, so like preparing for, for Sunday homilies, you know, I, I think a lot of priests, I hope a lot of priests do this, but, you know, you look at the scriptures, the... For, so for next Sunday, you look at the scriptures as soon as that the Sunday ends, right? You're looking right. at the scriptures for the next week, and I always think of it like a crock pot. That's this the I'm, I'm, I'm you know I love food, I love eating, right? So I picture a big crock pot, and like the Lord throws the the scriptures in the crock pot of my heart, and then throughout the course of the week, all these other ingredients get added in, whether it's conversations or YouTube clips that show up, or things that I read, or things that I experience, things that show up in prayer, uh, all of that the Lord is just kind of simmering throughout the course of the week, and by the end of the week, he's already, like, there's already some particular, hmm. like, there's something that's ready to be given, right? Something ready to be served, but it's it's asking particularly, Lord, what is what is breaking your heart right now that, that you want to be given to the people? Hmm. Um, like, break my heart that I might be broken open to give that to your people, um, I don't know. Those are the things that jump to mind when I think about preaching. Hmm. Well, that's awesome. Thank yeah. you. Padre, how about you? Yeah, I... Um, Can't say ditto. Yeah, oh, well, then <laughs> yeah me case, too. Humbly.com? No, I think for me, um, I think to be honest, like, I, and I tell people this a lot, I mean, I fight daily to believe, right? So I'm not hmm. one of those guys like, had a, like that, my conversion a while ago, I know Jesus was re- I know in some sense he's real, like... But I am never, I've just never been satisfied with a conceptual notion of God. Like the check mark, check the box for, all right, God is real. He loves me. He's a trinity. Jesus came, died on the cross. Okay, check, check. I believe all those things. I must be fine. It, it doesn't work for me. <laughs> I, I, I can't stay in this vocation if that's all I got. <laughs> I cannot stay as a priest if all I'm going to be offered are ideas. Yeah. So I am daily fighting for it to get deep, <laughs> deep. So, I mean, every week when I read the scriptures, I'm like, well, the heck does that mean? Right. Like, yeah. I'm like, I took yeah. scripture class, but I don't remember what they said. And I, I'm like, I'm like, why? No wonder no one follows him. This sounds mean. Right. Exactly. Right? So I'm taking my real hate humanity. mother and father. Yeah, and I'm like, I'm like, Jesus, we're gonna talk this out because if you want me to follow you, you gotta give me a reason why this is beautiful. Mm. You gotta give me a reason why I should be vulnerable enough to mm. let you in. Yeah. And so. That's my argument about Monday all the way to about Saturday morning. <laughs> and then usually... Sometimes later. <laughs> yeah, usually there's a moment yeah. where like there's a flash of an insight or a memory or a quote or something where all of a sudden my heart softens. And it's there where all the preaching comes from. Yeah. And when I preach, I, I'm more imagining a... Uh, like an imagine, imagine you're talking to someone who was really hurt at some point in their life by, by someone, right? and uh, they don't trust people anymore. Yep. And what I'm trying to do in my homily is like, like, gently grab their chin and look, have me look in the eyes and be like, I won't hurt you. Hmm. I am not that person. Hmm. I'm trying to do that on behalf of Jesus, for him hmm. to say, he will not hurt you. In fact, these words really are what the deepest part of you is longing for. 
And I know there's a lot of wreckage and I know there's boulders in the way, but let me kind of give you some images and some things on my journey that have allowed me to like realize like Lazarus, like roll away the tomb, right? Like roll away the stone, come on out. And, uh, but that's it. That's how, that's where all my preaching comes from is all week long, like just wrestling with the Lord and just be like, no, I don't, I'm not going to believe that. That just sounds mean. Right. That just sounds crazy or I don't, what, what do you mean? And then all week long, wrestling, reading, talking to Father Patrick sometimes on the phone or calling other people. Sometimes. Find, finding <laughs> out what's going on. And, uh, you know, I'll call other priests and be like, what are you preaching? And they'll say something. And I'm like, that sounds awesome. But in my heart, I'm like, I cannot share that because yeah. that is not me. Yeah. That's not me. And uh, when, I, when I get that sweet spot in me where my heart is like, this is it. And it hurts, but I know it's real and I know it's true. Now I can offer them something because I can offer me who's been touched, right? So first place to evangelize is my own soul. Yeah, and right. that happens literally every day for me. Yeah, we're almost always preaching to ourselves, right? Oh, yeah. almost always. So is this true for you guys too? So I think that the temptation when you're young, right, as a priest is, well, I got to look all together. Because <laughs> if I'm not all together, why the heck would you listen to me? So it's kind of like I'm the shell answer man. And I remember a guy uh, like two years after I was ordained, he wrote me this long letter which um, – was probably the most helpful letter I ever got in my life. But at the time, I didn't appreciate it at all. He just said, you know, you make faith sound like a Nike commercial. Mm. Ouch. Just do it, you know. And uh, and he said some things in it which weren't true, but he said a bunch of things that were true. And after I got over it, you know, I'm just like, okay, Lord, what are you saying to me? And I felt like what he was saying to me is, you know, like, what about all these people out there, which is, oh, by the way, everybody in the pew who's just wondering, I don't, believe this is possible for me. Mm. Like I can hear you talk about how much God loves and forgives the guy next to me or the, the woman next to me, but you don't know what I've done. Mm -hmm. And I don't believe that. I don't think it's possible. And uh, that was just a life-changing moment for me. And increasingly so now, you know, like I, I've tried to help younger guys. I'm just curious your own struggle with this too. Like what people, what I'm attracted to is realness. Yeah. I'm attracted to, you, you're talking about Father Ryan, like, it helps me to know, like, you struggle with belief, you know? Like, I want to know why this isn't something rude that Jesus is saying, you know, as opposed to some pious platitude. Like, so I, I wish more guys would understand when we're, you know, if, if I'm sitting in the pew, I want to know you're real. Mm -hmm. I want to know you struggle. I want to know you're vulnerable. I don't want you to go to confession from the pulpit, but I need to see vulnerability and hear vulnerability. Yeah. And that is so attractive and I think sometimes our, our brothers are afraid of doing that. I think I was when I was younger. Yeah. You know, I mean, is that a temptation struggle for you guys too to be, it's a, it's a fine line, right? Like I don't want to go to therapy in the pulpit, but I do want to give you a glimpse into my life. Yeah. I think that uh, like when I was in the seminary, um, one of the, I'm trying to tread lightly, I guess. One of the, one of the things that was hard going through the seminary was, um, I was falling more and more in love uh, with Jesus. And I had some amazing experiences, particularly at IPF, Institute for Priestly Formation in Omaha, where I um, had amazing spiritual directors and amazing people that, that um, I guess, that tutored me into uh, exactly what Father Ryan was just saying, that, like, what it's like to actually be loved by the real Jesus. Mm -hmm. um, no more ideas of what he's like. No more, um, you know, ideas about uh, what his love is like. But just the, you know, drawing near to the actual 
Mount Zion, the city that like drawing near to the actual flame, you know, and discovering, man, I like not in, in a conceptual way that I'm, I'm loved in my brokenness, but knowing what was in his eyes when I first experienced him loving me in my brokenness, doing the actual courageous work of, of rolling away the stone of your own heart and, um, just watching how he responds to, um, the place in me that I'm most convinced is unlovable, you know? So going through seminary, I'm having these experiences of falling more in love with this one who's just so wildly in love with me. And then I hear preaching that like baffled me that do you, do you, do you know him? Mm-hmm. Because I feel like, cause I'm like, if you, if you knew the one who like had these eyes for me, you wouldn't sound this sterile. You wouldn't sound this cold. Mm-hmm. And so I, I guess the um, this the moving into priesthood, it was um, the challenge of constantly preaching from the place of vulnerability. That we, this kind of ties in what we were saying earlier. That that priesthood is not just being a mere functionary. We don't we're not just men who do certain things. That we're we're priests because we were gripped one day right. by uh, by this Jesus that. He pierced our hearts, and for some reason, he plucked us out of the crowd of humanity and said, "I'm just I'm choosing you for myself, so that I can give you back to them." Right, and and we're the ones who are wedded to the wildest of lovers. Like we're the ones who are who are yoked to like the bridegroom. Like we're we're supposed to be so deeply united to him, um, and. Uh, like our preaching is meant to come from, I think, that place of, of uh, like I think people just want to know that we actually know him and that like that we're we're in love with him. Yeah. Um. You talk about re- real, like that's that's the thing. Like, like you know, when you're with a couple, like, like they're they're an actual couple. They love each other, right? Yeah. Um. I think people really want to know that their priests really know the Lord and and live in that love. Yeah. Yeah, I would say that pressure exists for sure. Um, just recently as an administrator, I feel more in my finance council meetings. I feel like I'm a 10-year-old and it's like, take your son to work day. And my feet are like dangling in the chair because all these big business guys are using words I've never heard of. Uh, but um, like I just realized like it's good to be in the black, bad to be in the red. Like Black to me represents death, but apparently the financial world is a really good thing. Right? Black, black uh, good. Should be easier to remember as a priest. Yeah, so I'm like, yeah. okay, got it. Uh, but um, when it comes to preaching... I think what what's just, what 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 so gets me over and over again is anytime I have preached from a place of trying to hide or trying to be in that posture of I got it all together, yeah, I realize like I forgot I had a bride, yeah. Hmm. Um, like when I remember, like when I remember I have a bride, then I'm talking to my bride. Uh, I don't want to be violent. I don't want to be. I don't want to win the fight. I want mm. to have a relationship. Mm. Um, and I do a lot of marriage healing work mm. uh, with retrovive ministries and a couple other things. And uh, like winning an argument, you can lose the argument. Right? right. Like you lost the thing that was most important, namely the relationship. Right? And um, when I remember that uh, this, is a, this is a people, this is a bride, there's, a, well, there's a, um, an entrusting from them to me that's when I'm at my best. But uh, 
when I'm at my worst, I'm wrapped up in myself, right? And I'm thinking about me, how do I look? What am I gonna say? How am I? When that's my focus, uh, it's usually trying to like, I'm just gonna try to win you over. And it's like, nah, nah, that ain't gonna, it never works. And so uh, it, I still fall in at times. Yeah. Uh, uh, there's some Sundays where I just want to be like, listen, I tried this week. I prayed a lot and I got nothing for you people. Or I just, I'm just go to a website, look up Father John Ricardo or Bishop Robert Barron. Just, just listen to them. You'll be fine. I'll see you next week. Right? Like, and, um, but I think it's, yeah, I think it's when, uh, I really think the enemy's involved there too. I don't think mm-hmm. the enemy wants priests to stop preaching. I think he just wants them to preach a certain way. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, um, so Sterile. when, I, when Sterile. I have a bride, when I have a bride, that's when my heart is in the right place. Hmm. That's it's tender. Funny. It's sacred. And it's a, it's it's a, a drawing and a that's walking a, with. That's an awesome. And both of you, I just want to thank you guys both for um, the vulnerability you just showed. I mean, like I don't. Here's the terrible thing, right? Like, like everybody in the in the in a parish wants to think that that's how their priests live and love and believe, but so often that's not what they see or hear, right? They they see the administrator or they see. Uh, the businessman, or they see, you know, whatever. But uh, what we need from our our uh, our pastors and uh, our spiritual fathers are are men who are just deeply in love and who ache to bring that love to the people. And I love the image of like that's not how I would talk to my bride. Yeah. And uh, I think right now one of the things I'm so sensitive to in the church because it's so challenging right now. Right. There's there's so much to talk about. There's such a desperate need to talk about things, to have clarity, uh, to call people into deeper faith, um, to to uh, to call things out at times, right? Um, but if you're if you're keeping in mind that there's a nuptial relationship here, um, I'm, I'm never going to do that with uh, with harshness. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm never going to do that trying to win the argument. I'm always going to do that from a posture of um, of you're my beloved, and I want to try to win you, your heart, not uh, not the argument. It, 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 it's just great. I, I can't thank you guys enough. Um, I know for me, one of the things I'm thinking of as I'm listening to you, it was probably like three years after I got to the parish that I was most recently a pastor at. And one day, I, uh, I mean, my whole life, I, like I just want people to people. I remember somebody asked me once, like, "How do you want to be remembered?" And I said, "I don't want to be remembered." I'm like, what do you mean you don't want to be remembered? I'm like. I don't want to be remembered. I just want people to look at a crucifix and be able to say, you know, I don't know who told me, but that happened for me. Mm. And that means I matter to God, you know, like that's how I want to be remembered. And um, so I remember coming out to my car and uh, there was a note stuck under my windshield. And all it says was, I'm beginning to understand. Yeah. Thank you. And I, I mean, I just bawled. I'm like, that's all I want to know. Mm-hmm. Like, that's all I want to know is that somehow he is eroding all the oppositions that you've put up to understanding that he loves you no matter what. It's not that it doesn't mean he's not calling us to more, but that's not where he starts. He just try. He starts first by just overwhelming us. It's, it's again the scene of the chosen, which we go back to over and over again. You know, where the Lord just encounters Magdalene and he just calls her by name, mm. right? And he's, he's like, he starts quoting Isaiah to her and she realizes like, oh my gosh, this guy somehow knows me and he knows how to get through to me. And that's all we want, all we want for the people that we care for, right? Yeah. Wow. That's awesome.
So let, let me ask you this if I can. Um, like if there was one thing that you most wanted people to know that they might not know about our lives. So it was something like, so you're not talking to your parish right now, right? That's the beauty of a microphone. Um, <laughs> what would you want them to know? <laughs> you go first, Father Ryan. All right, well, just on the spot. I don't, yeah. This is the first thing that just pops in my mind would just be like, um, preaching and saying Mass is really vulnerable, and therefore the comments you say to us after Mass hurt. Mm. Mm. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I stopped going, saying hi to people after morning Mass for almost a year at one of my parishes because I was so sick of being, like, feeling like I was being beat up afterwards after I just like poured myself out there. <laughs> and, and it would be like, it's a little side comment. Like you just, hey, good to see you, good to see you. Nice try, Father, get him again tomorrow. And they keep walking. And you're like, you don't even want to have a conversation. I mean, I one time, this is embarrassing. I, I did go to confession for this, but I one time followed a woman down a hallway outside the building <laughs> asking her, do you want to talk about it? Do you want to share more? Do you want to give me examples? And she wouldn't talk to me because she, little side comment that was at me saying I wasn't doing a great job. And then I just felt, I was like, that's it. I'm not allowing this anymore. So I just followed her down the hallway, out the front of the building, and a little bit, I had my vestments on and everything. Got in the car. Yeah, I'm riding all the way to her house. No, so I mean, it was a little ego moment for me. I, I probably should have just surrendered it. But nonetheless, it's like, like what you say after mass, you're saying to someone who, like, okay, maybe, maybe I did swing and a miss, okay? You've never swung and a miss at anything you try to do in life? Mm. And what if someone was right there five minutes after to tell you, hey, you messed up there? I mean... Just that, that really, at least for me, it really is a painful place. Mm. And I don't, I dread after mass. It's one of my least favorite places as a priest. Mm. Uh, it, just the carelessness of the conversation. Um, or even trying to give a compliment. I one time was complimented, Father, your homily was so good. The deacon preached. I didn't yeah. even preach. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. It's like, you're like, way to pay attention. Yeah, I'm like, this is that every compliment you've ever said. I don't know if I can believe it. You don't even know who's preaching. <laughs> right. So I'm not saying that, like, you know, okay, in the grand scheme of things, it's not the biggest, but little things like that. Like, I mean, just if you took a minute to say, hey, Father, I'm willing to wait. Can we talk for a second? I'd just like to talk about your homily. And then to say, hey, this one part really bothered me. Could you maybe explain it more to me? Oh, my gosh, you'd give me the benefit of the doubt to unpack right. it. I think I'd be much more willing to say, you know what, I swung and miss on that one. I'm glad you're talking to me about it. Because that has happened a few times in my priesthood. Sure. But that after mass conversation, uh, it's really hard for me at least. That's awesome. I appreciate you sharing that. Thanks, yeah, bro. Because I mean if it is if if it is such a generative moment, right? If it is such a like I'm I'm getting spiritually naked, I'm sharing my yep. heart, like That's right. And then if the people, you know, just say, try and keep try and keep it short, right? Try try and back it down. Like it's just, it's just so painful. Like you have no idea what I want to give you, and you're just saying, just get it over with pretty quick. And that's that's really hard. That's yeah. Really so hard. play the image out, right? And so it's 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 an act of love. Yeah. And that's how you're approaching it, and someone's just like, just get it over with. Yeah. Yeah. So we're like, you're you're vulnerable. Like, oh, you have stretch marks. You're like, oh, thanks. Oh, gee, <laughs> thanks for making comments. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah. This this is what I would say to that though. Like the. Um, I, I, just for any guy who's listening, who, who's maybe thinking about seminary, any guys who are in seminary who are listening, um, you know, people will ask you all the time right after you're ordained, you know, for the, like the first year or two years, how's priesthood, you know, what's it like? And I, I remember telling people that it is, the highs are so much higher and the lows are so much lower than I could have ever imagined. That, 
it far exceeded anything that I could have imagined it being. Um, that there's a there's nothing that prepare seminary does is you know it, it does everything it can to prepare you for priesthood but nothing prepares you for like actually being a priest and it is so exquisite like when lived rightly and rightly ordered meaning like in intimacy with Jesus like not trying to do everything on your own like actually believing him when he says apart from me you can do nothing mm. being in the light with good friends and spiritual directors um when lived rightly, it is so unbelievably rich and full. Like, I think people think that, you know, like, you still hear people talking about celibacy, this and that. And, yeah, there's moments of that that are tough and painful. But there is more intimacy packed in my life than I think most people experience in their lifetimes. Hmm. Um, I one priest mentor friend of mine from Cleveland, he once said that, you know, as a priest, you might not be, you will never be the most important person in one other person's life but you will be an incredibly important person to many people. Mm. And uh, it's so true. It's, it's, it's so hard to articulate on the other side of the mountain, on the other side of the thing, like how absolutely awesome this vocation is. Yeah. The passage that comes to mind when Jesus says, you know, like nobody who has given up, you know, brother, sister, mother, father will not be repaid a thousandfold. Yeah. In this life, plus persecutions. I mean, like, that's so true in our lives, right? Like, I, I just feel like I have thousands of children and family members that have invited me into their life in a, in a moment of tremendous uh, intimacy and vulnerability. And it's just uh, an extraordinary gift, right? And like in that scripture passage, right, Jesus says, not, re- not be paid, repaid 1,000 times in this, this life, life and with the eternal life. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Because uh, I think sometimes we're like, all right, well, at least I'll maybe have suck a, it up now. Yeah. Maybe have like a sweet spot in the kingdom. Like, I don't heaven's know, like, gonna be awesome. Yeah, but like, no, it's like even in this life, he says, that's right. like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's and right. I think the enemy can play with our imagination there a lot. With like, you know, like, all right, well, I guess I'll just be like holding a crucifix on my knees alone in like an all white room all day, all night long as I sleep. And in the morning, I'll get up and I'll give a great homily and I'll do it all. And it's like, and it's like, it's rich. It's very, you're, you're. I mean, I'm making up a word, but like, you're just peopled. As you a are, like, mm, yeah, it's awesome. You just like just people are all around you. That's so how you know you're a theologian. Yeah. You start making up words. Well, you're welcome. <laughs> Coin that one. Yeah, <laughs> that's Father Ryan Mann with the word people. <laughs> so, guys, this has been awesome. I, I just want to honor both of you for uh, for sharing your hearts. I, I pray it's encouraging and inspiring to everybody who's listening. I know it is to me. I can see it is to Mary. She's sitting over there crying. Um, so, I'm, I'm going to ask you one last thing. So, one of the things that we feel like the Lord's uh, really calling us to do in Acts 29. Is, is just to speak uh, hope and encouragement into people who, living in this time, are so discouraged and oftentimes uh, despairing. So, I mean, if, if, if you had something from the Lord, I'm putting you on the spot, but if you had something from the Lord that you would want to say right now to people who are finding these days to be particularly crazy, um, what would be the encouraging or hopeful word that you might offer? The, the first image that came to mind for me um, was to look up and see the stars because um, the one who made those, and, and there's a lot of them, and they're really big, and uh, <laughs> the one who made those um, cares more about you. And it's just so easy to have the blinders on and to be looking around us and to see the chaos and think that this is all that there is, this is all there's going to be. But there's such a 
older story that we're part of. And uh, it's just everything changes. Like I think of Joseph. He's been kidnapped by his brother, thrown in the bottom of the well, sitting there like helpless. Like I can picture him scrambling, trying to climb out of this well. And then seeing him finally giving up and just sitting there and looking up to the night sky and seeing the stars and finally being filled with hope. Like, I'm going to be okay. Hmm. Hmm. That's awesome. Thanks. <laughs> uh, I would just say that there's a reason why you desire to be seen, known, and loved. And it's because you're seen, you're known, and you're loved. Hmm. Uh, that, that those parts of your heart are meaningful there there's a rationale there like heart has reasons reason knows not and uh like he's 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 just alive that's where my hope is my hope Mm. is not in a perfectly articulated thing it's that he's alive Mm. and he's not just like sitting on a cloud just saying well i'm alive whenever you figure it out come on up here (laughs) like he's just alive and active and engaging and pope saint john paul ii said like He's yoked himself to every human being. I mean, mm. Buddhist, Hindu, atheist, Catholic, whatever you want to call yourself, like he's there, he's at work, and he's alive, and he there's just no condemnation in Christ. There's no condemnation. And he uh, and he's awakening in you those places that are saying, I want to be seen, known, and loved. And he's like, Yeah, I'm waking. I'm it's like a little ember, he's blowing on it. Mm. He's like, I'm there, I'm mm. there. Just let that grow and it's gonna lead you right to me. It's awesome. Father Patrick Schultz, Father Ryan Mann. So here's two guys who uh, very much have embodied for us the the truth that repeat we repeat over and over again, right? That nobody's alive right now by chance. So the Archdiocese of Cleveland's very blessed because God created both of you to be alive at this moment, so as to pour into the people that you're pouring into, and uh, you've you've blessed us both with uh, with your presence here today and your words. We want to thank you for that. And to everybody out there, again, we just want to repeat again and again the same confidence that they have. We want to encourage you to have too, because um, there's no reason for you and me to be afraid. The God who made those stars, who's who knows us and sees us and loves us, He's with us. And you and I, just like Father Patrick, just like Father Ryan, we were born for this. God bless. Thank you.